What's up, everybody? This is Shaheen Hakimi, and you're listening to Live at the Cafe, recorded live at Venture Cafe Cambridge, where innovation is for everyone. The following community talk on product development was given by David Orozco and Christopher Davis, co-founders of Gen 1 Technologies. Their talk aims to assist budding entrepreneurs develop new product ideas. David and Christopher give an overview of the product development process they follow. Define, design, build, iterate, and launch. If you're interested in hosting a community talk at Venture Cafe Cambridge, please visit us online at VentureCafeCambridge.org and click on the Propose a Talk link on the top navigation bar. All right, we're going to get started now. So... If you didn't already know, my name is David. My name is Chris. Um, again, we're here to talk about the product development process. So who are we? So <laughs> as Gen 1, uh, a few years back, we actually started working on a 3D printing crayon for kids. It's a mouthful. Um, but back then, we were trying to create a startup, um, learned about the product development process, looked about the startup process, of course. And halfway through that process, we are like, we don't want to start a toy company. Um, it's all fun to do all this stuff, but we don't want to do this. So we decided to pivot and instead focus on helping other people um, develop their own products because that's where our passions lied. And, and since we learned a lot about it. And since then, we built a small team. It encompasses the entire technology stack from embedded systems to mechanical design to uh, web development and uh, computer science. And uh, we basically enable other teams to create their inventions using the skills that we've learned. So like we've also worked in the medical space. We've done a lot of there. We've done things with robotics. We've done simple applications as well. At the end of the day, we're essentially nerds for hire. Um, How long have you worked? Uh, about five years now. Yeah. Five years. Okay. Five years. Mm-hmm. Man, it sounds so long when you say it. Yeah, yeah for us. <laughs> Half a decade. <laughs> so to kind of motivate this, it's like you were talking about a lot of technologies. It's a very tech-heavy world. We live in a world where now Amazon has stores that watch you and basically know what you're doing. You have SpaceX building these rockets. You have Nest that watches all your technologies at home. Um, but no one's developing something like that carry handle there, which is a very simple product, $5 on, you know, at Star Market. Um, it's very daunting to see all these things coming out. Yes, and uh, one thing to consider, too, is if it doesn't seem daunting at first glance, just because of how interconnected technology is, uh, even relatively simple innovations require a high level of interdisciplinarity. For example, the carry handle, there has to be springs and all kinds of, you know, design for manufacturing that goes on, everything from that to uh, product chain development, so. Mm-hmm. So, basics of starting is um, doing your research, actually. You'll be surprised by how many people come to us with an idea, and I'll take that idea, put it in Google, Amazon pops up, and it's on there for $20. Um, so a lot of people will not even do that basic research. And of course, once you've done that, then you need to start digging a little bit deeper. Um, so, of course, we always recommend going to the USPTO, Google Scholar, um, Google Patents, and see everything that might be related to the idea. Because just because it's not being sold on Amazon doesn't mean that someone has a patent on, a, on an idea. I came up with something in 2013, looked it up, there was a patent in 2000 for it. Um, it wasn't on the market, no one was selling it, it took me hours of digging to finally find it, but it was out there. Now, this comes with a big caveat. David and I are big believers in that while ideas are important, they are not the be-all and end-all. When it comes to technology and just anything in the market in general, it's not the guy who's first. He has a big advantage, but it's the guy who executes the best. The iPhone was not the first smartphone on the market. There were actually PDAs and iPhone-like products before that, but they weren't worth the price of admission, so they didn't do as well. Exactly. And it's important to also note that some products 
might be in the wrong space. You can take a product in one space and can move it to a new market. So it's also good to do your market research and figure out, hey, this exists somewhere else, but it would also be great here. And once you start talking about your market, you're wondering about who else in the space. Who's your competitors? Who do you need to look at? Who are you going to be competing with? And then you need to think about who's buying these products and why, which leads to our next point. So a market at the end of the day is a collection of people, right? A people with problems uh, that need to be solved with the product or service that you're going to buy. And that's why it's imperative that you go directly to your consumer and you ask them the five W's, the who, what, when, where, and why. This is extremely important because at the end of the day, they're buying your product to solve a problem. And if your product does not touch on that problem, they're not going to be paying for it. And that leads you in a very tough spot. And quick side note, a lot of people are often hesitant to talk to people about their ideas because they're concerned about NDAs and disclosing it and someone stealing their idea. Having built a business, it's really hard for at least someone out there who's just a random Joe to steal your idea because it's incredibly difficult to start a business. Maybe you're talking to a large company, you know, proceed with caution, get that NDA in place and be careful about that. But for most people, don't be too scared about sharing your idea and talking to people about it. It's highly unlikely to be stolen. I will also add the caveat that I'm not a lawyer though. Yes, I mean, in a lot of ways, doing this is uh, non-trivial and non-obvious. So mm -hmm. speak freely, speak intelligently, but don't be tight-lipped about your idea because who knows, that might be the person who's willing to help you later on. And just to give you a little bit of insight on just like who to ask, you should ask people who are not your first or second degree connections. Don't ask your family or your friends about your idea. Yeah. about your idea. Don't ask your mom if the invention is going to be good. Chances are you might get a little bit of bias in there. One uh, way or the other, if she doesn't like you very much, you might say the idea sucks. Yeah. And uh, secondly, yeah, get as many data points as possible. Um, you're going to get a lot of noise when it comes to, you know, just gathering data. I mean, you're going into survey design at this point. So people are complex. They have different motivators for what you you want to buy your product and it helps to have as many data points as possible. Exactly. So one thing that we like to do is formalize a problem. Oftentimes people will come with an idea and they want to develop something that's cool and like shiny and does all these lifty little things. But it's hard to sell something on that. It's easier to sell something saying like, hey, you have this problem. This problem costs you say $500. But if you buy my product for $100, you know, you save those $400. So if you can tie something to a specific problem that you're solving, it can help you in marketing and developing your idea, of course. So you really want to figure out what you're trying to do, who you're helping, why you're helping them, and at the end of the day, what that person's going to think when they look at your solution. Um, and that helps you define what's something called the minimum viable product. If you haven't heard of that term before, you're going to hear it a lot in the startup world, the MVP, where it's basically paring down the simplest product as possible. Get rid of all the bells and whistles. Get rid of all those fancy things that aren't really tackling the core solution or the core problem. And then finally, when you figure out what that MVP is going to be, make sure to check in again with your users. Again, you always want to talk to your users and make sure that you really are tackling their problem. I mean, at the end of the day, what your MVP should do is when you're releasing a product out into the market, what you're doing is you're basically testing a hypothesis about what your users or your consumers want. Your MVP should figure this out as simply, as cheaply, and as quickly as possible. So. Mm -hmm. so. And when it comes to developing an MVP, obviously there needs to be a product or service to test, and that's why brainstorming is really important. There are multiple approaches, and just to go into a couple, you can do more of a shotgun approach where you basically have a problem, and then you just throw darts at a dartboard and see what sticks at the end of the day. 
for larger problems that require a little bit more uh, with a more complex solutions uh, it also helps to do a mind map where you basically have a central idea with different sub ideas and systems that branch off and small prop solutions to those problems that coalesce to a one big solution mm -hmm. then let's run through an example to just kind of talk about all these ideas so something we worked on a little while ago we had a general idea of trying to help people who had neurodegenerative diseases people who had dementia Doing a little bit of research, you know, one thing we found out is it's a growing market. You know, say in the U.S. we have baby boomers who are aging, so it's a number that's going up. Um, there aren't a lot of products and solutions out there for this, so it's a good market space. We talked to users, reached out to a lot of uh, research groups as well to find out more about the problem and see how we could figure something out, how we could actually help. They taught us about something called touch deprivation, where people feel they're alone when they have dementia or neuro neurodegenerative diseases. So we sought to tackle that, and we brainstormed a few solutions where there could be a product where you offer better family care, better, or another option is also potentially using pets, because a lot of research showed that you could also help people using pets. And there was also an idea of creating, say, a robotic stuffed animal. At the end, this process, again, going through the idea, do your research, talk to users, formalize the problem, and brainstorm your idea. So it looks very linear here, but of course, there's a lot of back and forth in these processes. When you're talking to people, you go back and you refine, but general process here for this idea. And that's just one thing to keep in mind about this entire you know, set of steps that we're going through. Each subsequent step is driven by the data in the previous step. So there are many cases where you might actually have to go back and revise your assumptions and then start the other step again, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, for our children's toy, we've done that multiple times. We did so. it a lot when we started out. It was probably like five prototypes. So. Actually, no, there's 12. Oh. So I have them all saved somewhere. All right, so... So what did you do with that? Um, did well, yeah, we did work on it, but, you know, the startup took it over. Some startups always don't succeed at the end of the day. We help you develop your product, but we don't run your business for you at the end of the day. Um, so... For, once you kind of define your MVP, we usually suggest developing a mock-up, which is meant to tackle your key problem. And it's either actually validating a problem or validating a solution. And that can take, those are the two main forms and categories we like to put them in. So for, say, validating a problem, say Facebook when it came out, it was hard to tell what the problem really was there. I think as they developed, we found out that people wanted to use Facebook to link up to each other, that there was people who felt like they couldn't connect to their peers and they wanted to be part of this larger network. So Facebook validated this problem, making sure that it existed in the first place. And that's what I mean by validate a problem. Make sure that this problem exists and it's something that your users are willing to you know, adopt in order to solve that problem. And on the flip side of the coin is validating the solution. I mean, a common uh, example that people like to use is SpaceX. In America, right? We wanted to go to space for decades, and we fought with the Russians for it, for God's sake. It's really important, and this, the problem has been very well known. However, this is a very technically complex problem where it's tough to send a rocket up into space and then back in one piece. Mm -hmm. SpaceX has basically formed their market thesis on trying to solve that problem and knowing that the solution is something that everyone universally wants. And again, these are two sides of the same coin that ultimately arrive at one MVP. So, yeah, of course. Now, let me better define it then. So, like, say I have it here. Validating problem is usually something I'm concerned more about uh, user behavior. So, if you're not sure, hey, people really want to do that. So, another reason I have Uber up here is, let's say, 20 years ago, you know, your people tell you, 
don't meet people that you meet online in real life. And then of course, don't get into a stranger's car. So someone coming out and saying, hey, you're gonna get in the car of a stranger you don't know, you're gonna pay them to take you somewhere. It's like, that's user behavior that no one expected and people would have told you again. So you're really trying to figure out, will people actually do this thing? Um, versus validating the solution. It's like, you know people want it. Like say, everybody wants a cure for cancer. But very do you tough. have yeah. the cure for cancer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not technically obvious, right? So depending so. on which one you're going, you want to try to approach it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And of course, once you get done with the research phase of everything, now it's time to get to the really fun part. Now you get to work with screws and microcontrollers and lines of code. You actually get to build your product. And from a hardware perspective, in 2019, there is no reason for you to be reinventing the wheel. Nowadays, if you have a technical problem about something, you can type it into Google and you have someone with a lot of free time and a lot of talent who has a really elegant answer. So take advantage of the communities. You have things like Instructables, Adafruit, Reddit. You also have various ra rapid prototyping platforms such as 3D printing, laser cutting, Arduino for hardware prototyping. Very powerful, simple platforms that allow you to get arrive at something very quickly. But if there's one thing from the hardware perspective that I want you guys to walk away with, Use things that are off the shelf. Do not reinvent the wheel. A common example I like to use is there was a product where we had to basically create a cooling system and put it in some enclosure that we were building for an invention. To actually create a cooling system from scratch, it's actually very technically difficult. It requires a lot of time and sometimes money. We said instead of building something from scratch, let's go to Walmart and just buy a $50 refrigerator, rip the cooling system out of that, and then stick it in our enclosure. Next thing you know, you have a relatively powerful cooling system that can be used for cheap, and we saved a ton of time and money. So exactly. So we used what was off the shelf. And another suggestion there is, if you have a competitor there where you basically want to add a few more feature sets, just buy their product and add those feature sets. Um, don't, be, don't shy away from that. We'll do whatever you can to save money on the hardware side, because it can save not only, like, say, the cost of raw goods, but your time itself is the most valuable thing. Yes, and keep in mind, too, that one of the biggest things when it comes to the prototyping phase is not to have something that looks elegant, elegant or really, really cool or has all the bells and whistles. You just want something that works so you can do the most important thing, which is collect data to validate your hypothesis. So. Mm -hmm. You can actually do very similar things with software, actually. So you'll find out there's a ton of open source tools out there. Uh, so there's OpenCV, which we've used in the past, where it's an open library to use computer vision. There's all kinds of tools for using machine learning. In Python, you can find a library for just about anything these days. Um, there's third-party providers that do a ton of different things. So like say, Google offers, again, a bunch of machine vision, machine learning tools. Stripe, if you need to take payments, they do that. Um, talking about healthcare industry, HIPAA is a big deal in the US. There are third-party tools for HIPAA services as well. So in software, you don't need to reinvent the wheel either. either. You can find a lot of tools. And if you don't know how to code, you can already start doing things. Even with PowerPoint, Adobe, or some other tools, you can start figuring out what the screens are going to look like, start figuring out the user flow. So you don't even need to know how to code to start doing something that's software-related. Yes, even for a, lot of our, for a lot of our clients, when it comes to a diagramming a lot of the apps and the website flow, the storyboarding, uh, we'll often even use just Google Sheets. That is completely free, and it allows you to figure out where things are in space. It's just getting something on paper so you can iterate. And, well, as you said, iterate. So once you start building, you're going to have to build it. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be issues. You're going to have to keep building. And you're going to have to find a place where you're done. And when I say done, I definitely don't mean perfect. A lot of people will get wrapped up in trying to settle down every last score, especially in software, squashing every bug. 
Again, focus on your MVP and your core solution. Iterate until you've achieved that, validated that, and if you validate that that's not the key solution that you need to provide, then you can change to something else. But it's a cyclical process. Nothing's going to be perfect the first time. Yes, so this is one of those situations where you absolutely should not let perfect be the enemy of done. Because there are, there are startups that literally work on products that are never released and they spend years and tons of money inventing something that they don't even know solves their core market problem. That's not where you want to be. And once you reach your done, there's a few things you can do. So with software, it's about deployment. So there's questions about who's going to host it, you know, how, how are you going to optimize it, make it faster, get rid of the bugs, and scale it. And again, there's tons of tools out there for that. AWS is a huge one. There's other tools that are built on top of that that you can also use. And software lends itself to really nicely immediately going back into that iteration process. Hardware, on the other hand, is a little bit more difficult. Yes, so in getting physical product from point A to point B to point C, you have to figure out all kinds of supply chain questions, such as where is it going to be made? How is it going to be shipped? Uh, when it's actually in the consumer's hand, what's going to happen to things like firmware updates or if things get broken, warranties? It gets very complex, and there are guys who spend their entire career answering just those questions. Thankfully, you can ask them for help, but do not strive for perfection here. Strive for something that gets it out the door quickly. A common question we get at the very beginning of this process when someone tells us their ideas is, how much do you think it's going to cost? We can never answer that question because of supply chain. The factors that Chris was talking about, like say, uh, where it's going to be made, how many you're going to make, packaging, and all these issues, that can change the price from $50 to $500 very easily. So this is really when you start figuring out those cost questions when it comes to hardware. So you're saying, uh -huh. you're saying uh, uh, Quickly is better than quality. Yes. To a point, right? You don't want a shoddy you don't want shoddy work out there, but you don't want perfect work. We have a saying around the office where if you're not if you're releasing a prototype and you're not at least a little bit embarrassed about some of its flaws, you waited too late. Because time is arguably your most important asset because you want to be out there getting data. And a lot of your first users, they're gonna be guys who are gonna be a little bit more tolerant of the rough edges of your product. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be waiting and just like you know trying to correct flaws that might not even matter to begin with because time is very yeah. very strongly related to money and something so. that he mentioned which is good to generally know as a startup is there's a term called early adopters the people are going to be more forgiving about your product when you launch you're not going to capture the entire market all at once there's going to be a few people you're going to catch and then from those few people you'll make improvements and go from there which actually gets to our kind of review process that once you come in and you do this entire loop here of research, users, MVP, build, iterate, and launch. If you make a profit and hopefully you got those early adopters to hey, say, hey, I do like this idea, then you work on your V2, you work on your V3, and you slowly start building out features. Even now, each year they're releasing new microwaves, new cars, new everything. No product is perfect. That's what I'm saying, never strive for perfect. Strive for the fact that you're achieving someone's problem or providing a solution to someone's problem. And then after that, you try to solve it better. And do that in the knowledge that whatever that problem. Minimum viable product. Yeah, it's a term coined from the, uh, not the agile days, but the lean, lean methodologies, startup, yeah. right? Which was originally a software thing, but now it's taken on a form where it applies to hardware too. Mm -hmm. But um, know that, you know, your goal that you're shooting for, the problem that you're looking to solve can change over time. So don't strive to hit it exactly. Chances are you're going to change it anyway. Live from the Cafe is produced and disseminated by the Venture Cafe Foundation, a nonprofit organization striving to better connect the innovation community. 
To learn more about our events and resources, please visit us online at VentureCafeCambridge.org or come visit us at One Broadway in Cambridge, Massachusetts every Thursday from 3 to 8 p.m.